Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello everyone and welcome to the World Cricket Show, charging recklessly on for yet another episode in spite of absolutely monumental public demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm just thrilled to be able to say that I'm joined in the studio this week by the people's champion, Tony Kerr. I'm delighted to join you, Adam. How's it going (sighs) this week, Tony? It is going very well, yeah. Before coming here, when you came to pick me up, I'd just basically at that moment woken up from a nap a snooze some might call it um, so if I seem sort of irrationally angry this week and just generally disgruntled that's going to be why well, that's what I suffer from you yeah. you nap don't you you're yeah, a napper nap. when I start work early so I think you know, it's always good to have a nap but I do wake up in a really bad mood <laughs> but that's not the case in the morning it's only when you wake up from an afternoon yeah. nap that you're angry just annoyed for about 25 minutes it's only because I've woken up too late for my whatever my engagement or next appointment is and I'm <laughs> running around trying to find stuff and I'm already late so I need to like hurry about trying to I'm constantly rushing everywhere <laughs> really everything I everywhere I go I've just got to rush there because I'm I set off 15 minutes after I was supposed <laughs> to be there well, it just makes still, me really yeah. stressed all the time uh, but actually, strangely enough, tonight I was well on time. I just sort of waltzed out the house happily. Yeah, you were really on time, and I was annoyed about it because <laughs> annoyed, I had yeah. literally just woken up from a nap about three seconds before. I think you must call me when you wake up from a nap every day because I think that <laughs> I hope that's what it is because that might explain why you're always so downright cross when you talk to me on the phone. Either that, or you've just got a problem with anger management. What? <laughs> yeah, normally I do just put in a quick phone call. <laughs> I'm immediately annoyed when hearing your voice. Do you ever put nap on a to-do list, on a to-do list that you're I've writing? I've never written that. Yeah, I feel it, you know, it's, not, it's not necessarily that difficult to remember to nap. Our, our friend Patrick, good friend of the show, Patrick was saying uh, that, yeah, that he puts nap on a to-do list. We do have a friend of ours, good friend of the show, Dave, who uh, writes such comprehensive to-do lists that not only does he include things like nap, he includes things like brush teeth and like shower rinse hair (laughs) (laughs) shampoo a second time I'm a big fan of the to-do list but yeah I would never go I'd never stoop that low that's just kind of like self-congratulation isn't it (laughs) it's just like how great am I how many items am I ticking off oh sunshine is the other topic isn't it absolutely how about this weather is that am I right Tane how about this weather yeah it's ridiculous we've had a heat wave here in Guernsey yeah we've had like a four day heat wave (laughs) well it's still going on so you know I can't see an end in sight it's boiling I was genuinely too hot last night and I don't want to be one of those people that goes from complaining about it being too cold and rainy to complaining about it being too hot instantaneously but that's essentially what I'm going to do now Uh, I was on the beach last night this was at like 7.30 in the evening and I was too hot 
and immediately listeners are interested. Wow, why? Why was he so hot? <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the sun, wanna... the sunshine. Right. Well, we should probably be talking about some cricket. I'm picturing people listening to this thinking, I thought I said the World Cricket Show. <laughs> <laughs> but there is all manner of what I can only describe as stuff coming up on the show today. We will, of course, be looking back on the test match at Trent Bridge. Uh, there'll be some more side notes as well. And IPL 2012 staggered to an end on Sunday. So we'll be picking over the carcass of the season later on in the show. But the breaking news this week is that the T-shirts have arrived. In all the meetings we've had, lead story, yeah, everyone says, lead story's got to be the T-shirts. But it's good news, isn't it? They've, they've been a while in the making. It's only taken us a bit over three months, uh, but we've managed to get ourselves <laughs> I mean, sorted out. Possibly longer. I mean, they were conceived maybe over a year ago. I'd say that the T-shirts were conceived pre-podcast <laughs> conception, you know, or at least went hand in hand. Should we start a cricket podcast? Can we get some T-shirts? That was, <laughs> that was your first question. It's years in the making, uh, but the T-shirts have quite literally arrived. I quite literally have them in my house, quite literally. In just fact, in, just in time for the summer, or just, or just slightly late. Just summer. very slightly, like after like ourselves, the start of the summer. Yeah. Well, I was wearing one down the beach on Saturday, and uh, people looked pretty bloody impressed. Let me tell you. Oh, I've almost pictured them though, not so much as a beach item. It's more of a, uh, I think, you know, it's a T-shirt for a formal occasion, a job interview, maybe, <laughs> or some kind of, you know, social, formal social dinner. Well, it's a multi-purpose garment, isn't it? But uh, I was wearing it on the beach. Someone came up to me and said, wow, if there's one word that I would not use to describe that T-shirt, it's bland. So I thought, here we go. Tony's nightmare <laughs> is not coming to pass. I'm worried though. Obviously now people will ironically be plastering the face to page with heckles of bland yeah. at the T-shirt, which is making me stressed. I'm getting stressed. <laughs> How can people get their hands on these t-shirts, Tony? Well, perhaps if, we should get if some. If they want to look as then. cool as me. Well, I know what you're thinking. Are they on sale at all the leading, you know, clothes retailers in the country and internationally? Uh, no is the answer. <laughs> the answer to that to, is no. You have to go to our website, cricketshow.net, and uh, it's just as simple as you know, a few clicks, and suddenly your your street cred will rise dramatically. It's your ticket to a better circle of friends <laughs> than the one you've got now. Yeah. Not if all your friends what if all your friends buy them though. Then, well then well then you all move up together. If you're wearing it. If you want to escape your friends, your current circle of friends, don't tell them. Just buy one for yourself. I'm just imagining people, you know, strutting down the, the halls in them in like some American high school. And the jocks are like, hey, you're coming over with us now. <laughs> <laughs> you just push your nerd friends to the floor. The jocks go, hey, he's the dweeb. <laughs> England. On this item, we discuss England. England <laughs> surged. How many times can we say England? Well, England surged to victory at Trent Bridge this week to take an unassailable 2 0 lead in their test series against the West Indies. Uh, at various stages during the game, the tourists threatened to give them a bit of a run for their money, just as they did at Lords. Uh, but in the end, it turned out to be a reasonably comprehensive win for the home side. Uh, West Indies batted first after winning the toss and after being in enormous trouble at 136 for six uh, managed to drag themselves up to 370 all out thanks to a, a partnership of more than 200 between Marlon Samuels who made 117 and Darren Sammy who scored his first test century and 370 looked like a decent score although no more than par on a very flat wicket Tim Bresnan took four for 104 England looked like they were going to cruise past uh, that score when they were 267 for two, but another good fight back from the West Indian bowlers meant that they were eventually all out for 428, with Ravi Rampal taking three for 75. Kevin Peterson scored 80, and Andrew Strauss, his second consecutive 100, 141 he made. So England had a first innings lead of 58, uh, and it looked like it could be a very close game. 
Uh, but the West Indies were blown away on the third evening, reduced to 61 for six after a brilliant spell of bowling from Tim Bresnan. We're eventually all out for 165 with Bresnan, four for 37, Anderson four for 43. England's target was 107 and they got there with nine wickets to spare to wrap up a pretty solid win. I'm fairly sure that one day you will just do a ball-by-ball ball summary of the match. <laughs> it does go on, doesn't it? I've been watching too many of the it's both thorough. reviews. It's it is thorough. Yeah, that's what some people want. So. so people can now switch back on again. So England 2-0 up. Tim Bresnan was named man of the match for his all-round contribution. He took eight wickets in the game and also uh, scored a vital 39 not out in England's first innings. And he yeah, very much swung the game for England. Uh, with his three-wicket spell on Sunday evening. Uh, it's propelled him up to a career high of 15th in the world rankings. Coming into this game, there was a growing number of people, perhaps, that were beginning to question his place in the side after a fairly quiet match at Lords. Has he laid those questions to rest now? Has he reminded people of what he's doing in this team? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, he was uh, He was under pressure. He didn't contribute hugely, did he, at Lords? He only got, I think, one wicket. And one wicket, yeah. About, and a duck. About no runs. Yeah, roughly. I think possibly people forget that in a strong bowling attack where you've got four good bowlers, not everyone can take the wickets at the same time, can they? So is Broad under trouble? Uh, you know, is Broad under pressure now because he only took three wickets in the match? Definitely not. So uh, yeah, Breslin bowled very well this time, put his hand up, and uh, that's exactly what we wanted to see. Particularly Sunday evening, he, he looked like he was going to take a wicket with every ball. He bowled absolutely brilliantly uh, on that third evening. You're absolutely right that uh, bowlers are inevitably going to have quiet games here and there. In a, a world-class bowling attack like this, the wickets are going to be shared around. And actually, Bresnan bowled pretty well at Lords. He just didn't get the rewards that he might have done. I guess the, the problem is that there are so many guys on the sidelines who people think might do a better job. So if Bresnan has a poor game, then people are immediately going, well, why isn't Steve Finn in this side? And the noises that I'm hearing on the World Wide Web, there are still people clamouring for, for Finn to come in for Bresnan, even despite what he did in this game. Um, they still think he would do an even better job than Bresnan. I'm not sure that I quite understand that because while Finn had a, a brilliant winter in the ODI side, it's not like the last time he was in the test team he was setting the world alight. I think he's a very, very good bowler, but I'm not sure you can say that he would just instantly come into this test team and be brilliant. Bresnan was unbelievably good against India last summer. This is something that appeared to have been forgotten, I think, last week when people were saying, what's he doing in this team? Almost as though, you know, what has he ever done for England? He was phenomenal in that series last summer. And then he had a bit of time out of the team with injury. And people have forgotten that. And also, I think people continue to think that he's average because he's Tim Bresnan. But actually, because, because he's a world-class his, test yeah. bowler these days. Because of his name and because of the way he looks. And because he's from Yorkshire. Yeah. And people just constantly say, well, he's uncomplicated, isn't he? He's no nonsense. Stuff <laughs> it's like so that. dismissive. It's such a joke, isn't it? In this, this spell, he bowled as well as uh, any other player has bowled in this series so far. You can't argue with that. I do worry that perhaps... Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt he's going to play in the next test. Perhaps if he does, if he does underwhelm, if you like, in that first first match against South Africa, then he will be immediately chopped for a fin. I think the thing, though, is that what he's proved against India and what he's reminded people of in this game is that he is world class. He might not perform against South Africa. He might not rip through them in the first test. But if he doesn't, it won't be because he's not good enough. It might be that he's out of form or that South Africa play him really well. But it, he's not the county trundler that he's sometimes portrayed to be that maybe he used to be. I mean, much is made of the fact that he's won every game that he's played in, a, in an England test share. Is it 13 out of 13 now? Which I think puts him third on the list for players to, to have done that. I think Adam Gilchrist holds the record. That can't just be a coincidence, can it? De I mean, definitely not. 
just because they're great, they're very good players you know, on the side in the in the taxi queue, as you'd like to put it. Yeah, they have to wait for their opportunity. You know, Finn's not an aging player who's uh, you know he's maybe got one crack and he's you know he's kind of the form player, and you think he's got to he's got to get in this team. Yeah, he's still young, so one of these bowlers is going to get injured at some point soon. God willing, one of these bowlers <laughs> will get injured very soon. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to happen, uh, or one of them is going to need a rest. And if Finn. Or onions, or you know, or, or another Tremlet, or Tremlet comes in. I mean, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Tremlet was so good when he came in. Uh, you know, if one of those players comes in and takes takes a few wickets in a, in a Test match, or gets a run of two or three games and, and gets wickets, you'd have to say they probably justify keeping their place on the side. Well, Tremlet, if Tremlet was fit and bowling as he was bowling this time last year, he'd be the first name on the team sheet for me. And now he's sort of sixth in the pecking order just because he's had injuries. It's an amazing situation that England have. Um, would you rest Anderson or Broad for the third test and give Finn or Onions or maybe both a go? Or is that disrespectful to the West Indies? Does it break up a successful pace bowling triumvirate? Uh, yeah, possibly. I wouldn't, wouldn't rest them. The most likely and worst case scenario of that would be just making giving yourself a nightmare decision for you know for the start of the South Africa series because say you rested Anderson and, and Bresnan and Finn both took a few wickets apiece I, I don't know Anderson would obviously come back in but then you just make it even harder for yourself to to try and pick a team for the next one so no probably not and like you say it's probably slightly disrespectful to West Indies because they've looked they've threatened to get a result in both of these matches at times so you know, it's not out of the question I know England have wrapped the series up now but they'll be wanting a 3-0 well, absolutely, and it's not it? out of the question that West Indies will win the last, the last test absolutely England do need to make sure that they, they win this last test because if they're going into the South Africa series off the back of a, a defeat in their last game then that's an entirely different prospect to going in off the back of a 3-0 whitewash well anyway I think Bresden has sort of uh, reaffirmed what he's doing in this team with that performance and I'm, I'm very pleased to see it perhaps the only player now who finds himself under the microscope a little bit is Johnny Bairstow who of course was playing only his second test match here he's been given an opportunity to make a name for himself in this series as yet hasn't grasped the nettle Kemar Roach had him wait for this hopping around like a frog at a disco uh, in a fairly torturous 17-ball innings <laughs> on Sunday. And now everybody's talking about Bairstow having a weakness against the short ball. Is it too soon to be saying that, maybe? Too soon to be writing him off? Is this a classic case of you know the rest of the England team's doing well, so people aren't sure what else to talk about? Or are there legitimate concerns over his technique from what you saw of that innings? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, I think, because... All of the above. All of the above, really. Well, they're contrasting points, so it can't, <laughs> it can't really be all of the above. Much of the above, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the pundits like us, uh, you know, and our you know, contemporaries like you both and etc. You know, they've got to talk about our something. Yeah. <laughs> they've got to talk about something. They seem to relish the conversation, uh, the best conversation this test, and they loved repeating, the, <laughs> repeating kind of the, the idea that the pictures were being beamed around the world. And that, you know, <laughs> yeah. fast bowlers around the world would be watching at the time. I don't uh, think they I don't are. I think they will be, yeah. <laughs> I, really... I mean, they might study the footage eventually, but I can't imagine, yeah, like they'll stay in a morning walk or like gotten together in some secret <laughs> hideout to dissect their stage technique. They've probably got better things to do slash golf to play, I would imagine. Uh, you know, I've, I'm coming from a position of my myself having a slight weakness to the short ball. <laughs> and the full <laughs> pitch ball. ball. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did look, he looked slightly uh, uncomfortable. There's no doubt about that but then he again he's only playing in his in his second test uh you know as he as he gets more experience i think he'll be uh he'll settle in nicely well the first thing to say is that roach is a very good bowler he had bears in trouble but he's he's had lots of players in trouble before he made 
Ricky Ponting looked like a bit of an idiot a couple of years ago. Although, mind you, more or less anyone can do that these days. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? And yeah, it's definitely seen to be passing judgment on Bairstow. It's not just his second test match. It was his second innings. I mean, he had a, a naught not out, I think, in the second innings at Lords, but effectively his second test innings. But it has to be said that he didn't look great. He did look uncomfortable. And Roach is a very good bowler, but Stain and Morkel are better. And yeah, England do need to be thinking about what's the best option against South Africa. If Bairstow doesn't make runs in the third test, playing him against the Proteas will feel like an enormous gamble. It might be harsh to sort of think about dropping him after only a handful of chances, but if he's made no runs going into that series, have you got confidence in him to do it against what is one of the world's best bowling attacks in Stain, Morkel and Philander? I mean, it is a difficult one because he's obviously got to this position of receiving a test call-up off the back of countless first-class matches, England Lions uh, tours and matches. He's obviously a very good player. This, This kind of perceived weakness of the short ball uh, I think people have just latched upon. I don't think there's a huge problem. And uh, I, he obviously plays the next test. I don't know. I'd probably, even if he did fail to make runs, I'd probably go with him for the first test against South Africa. The thing that you would say, yeah, to support that is that who comes in in his place? I mean, I shudder at the thought of it being Ravi Bukhara. <laughs> um, and if you play someone like James Taylor, exactly the same questions are going to be asked because he's not played any test cricket. You might as well say, well, maybe this is Bairstow's learning moment and maybe he'll he'll take the lessons from playing Roach and be better against Stain and Morkel. Basically, what would be great is if he could go out and make a 50 or 100 in the third test and then every single one of England's players would be more or less nailed down. What about West Indies? Uh, For the second game in succession, they battled hard for the majority of the game, uh, but then all their work was uh, was undone by a a couple of disastrous sessions, a bit of a a batting meltdown on the third evening. But it should be remembered that England did bowl very well to them there. As as we were saying, Tim Bresnan was on fire. It wasn't just that they they threw it away. I don't think they should be too disheartened, even if this series does end 3-0. They are up against a very good team. England are number one in the world, as we know. In their own backyard, they're incredibly difficult to beat. Since Flower and Strauss took over, they've won every test series that they've played at home, which is now seven in a row. And out of 22 individual matches in that time, they've only lost two, one to Pakistan and one to Australia. They've won 16 of those games, uh, which is a formidable record in anybody's language. So I don't think West Indies should be happy with losing, but nor should they read too much into it. Any team finds it very difficult in England. So West Indies, and if you're the West Indies, try not to let the critics get you down because, I mean, we talked last week about the the constant comparisons to the team of the 80s and uh, and how the commentators just bang on about it all the time and how staggeringly useless and unhelpful that is. Uh, I watched a little bit of Cricket Writers on TV, uh, which might be the least imaginative name for a <laughs> television show in history, and, uh, and saw Peter Hayter, I think his name is, from the Mail on Sunday, was on the programme. Um, and Paul Allett said, you know, well, this West Indies bowling attack, it's a pretty good bowling attack. And Peter Hayter went, yeah, well, it's not, a, it's not Garner holding Marshall and Roberts, though, is it? And like that's his point. <laughs> End of point. No attack is Garner holding Marshall and Roberts because they're four of the best bowlers ever. I mean, it does my nutting. It really does. What's your assessment of Darren Sammy at this stage? He uh, he made his maiden Test hundred in this game, which was a pretty vital innings because you know you'd have to think this game would have been over inside two and a half days without it. But continuing to attract criticism mainly over his bowling what's your view the whole thing I mean it is very unfair and there was a real groundswell of support for Sammy wasn't there when he amongst England fans as well I think people were pretty pleased for him but yeah he batted very nicely and to bat eight you know he picks up a few wickets and gets 100 you can't really argue with that I think his role on the team is pretty valid captains aside very well in terms of uh, you know in terms of actually kind of bringing the teams together and, and seemingly creating some sort of team spirit at the moment which is 
probably been lacking for a few years. It's his bowling that people focus on, and he's certainly not looked incredibly incisive in this series, but he's got almost exactly the same test bowling average as Stuart Broad, which is something worth thinking about. Could he move up the order maybe in the batting? Would that be the thing that, that finally got people off his back? If he could bat at six or seven. Maybe what they could do is is leave out Kirk Edwards, who scored no runs whatsoever. <laughs> I do feel a bit sorry for Kirk Edwards. <laughs> yeah, me too. But like, if they brought in Fidel Edwards maybe, he'd probably make as many or more runs than Kirk <laughs> Edwards. And also that allows him to, get, uh, uh, to have a five-man attack. And if Darren Sammy's the fifth bowler, rather than the fourth bowler, then that looks much better, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe that maybe that's a good suggestion. Maybe drop them an email. Drop the team <laughs> manager an email tomorrow. Westindiesatcricket.com. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe they could just adopt that strategy, change the strategy from trying to you know compete with England in terms of batting and just say, well, look, we're not going to score enough runs, so maybe our best strategy is to try and make sure that England don't score enough runs either uh, by including an extra bowler. So I think that's probably what I'd do at this point. Speaking of the bowlers, what did you make of Ravi Rampal? Bowled impressively, I thought, on his return to yeah. the team. He's such an unlikely-looking fast bowler, isn't he? Well, I was just saying, the, uh, the, the, the Sky commentators wasted no time in uh, pointing out uh, Rampal's added timber, yeah, as, it, as they put it, it's- carrying a little bit of extra timber, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is a polite way of saying, chubby lad. <laughs> yeah, it was good, wasn't he? I mean, pretty effective. He's by far the most dangerous of the West Indies bowlers, definitely. Yeah. Predictions for Edge Baston, Tone? Is it going to end in a 3 0 whitewash? Or can you see the West Indies predicted, fighting initially? back? Pre series, I predicted 3 0, yeah. But you, you, you corrected it, didn't you, to 2 0? No. Yeah. I predicted 3 0, you predicted 2 0, and you've subsequently corrected it to 3 0. Okay. But I think to uncharacteristically spring to your defence. This is very. Yeah, I think you would have predicted 3 0, but you were fairly sure that one of the games would be washed out or, yeah. or, or ruined by rain. That's the thing. I could predict it. I can yeah, I could predict an England win all day, but the one thing you can't predict is good weather. Yeah, well, uh, well, there was when we made those predictions, there was absolutely none on the horizon. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now you've got to imagine that they're going to get five days of sunshine for this third test. So can you see West Indies coming back into it, or is it just going to you know have they broken the back of them now, England? Yeah, I can't see a uh, I can't see a different result to an England win, uh, and I think it'll be very similar to what we've seen so far, and that'll be. You know, West Indies threatening, uh, threatening at times, playing well, possibly doing enough to deserve a sniff of a result, uh, be that a draw or a victory, but not getting it in the end uh, <laughs> and coming away with nothing. But it's been, I mean, it's been a, a, so far, I'd say, a enjoyable test series, not not remarkable and pretty unspectacular, and with long passages of quite. It's been brilliant, cricket. hasn't it? It's been absolutely brilliant, <laughs> it's been wonderful. And thank God it's here. We'd miss it. If it was, yeah, we'll miss it when it's gone. How did you get on in the cricket last week, Tone? Just a recap, of course, for new listeners that uh, after a seven-year break from the cricket field, myself and Tony are, are, are back in the whites, or not whites. The blues. Back in the, the pyjamas this season, uh, playing for a team called the Kobo Legends in the Guernsey Evening League. Uh, and our team has had a winning start to the season, but, but the two of us have, uh, have had up and down <laughs> fortunes so far. You've actually played two matches since we last recorded. Yeah, neither of which you've turned out for. I could not play because I've been injured. Mentioned last week that I picked up a foot injury. Presumably the team desperately struggled in my absence. Well, the bowling improved. Uh, that was noticeable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone was saying that. And the fielding looked looked more athletic and more more solid. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Well, you, you, you were absent for one win and one defeat. One defeat. 
Yeah. So after four straight wins, the fifth game was a, yeah, a, it was a, a loss, a, an embarrassing loss. Well, it was a top of the table clash. They posted 140. I came in at six. Yeah, we were in trouble. I steadied the ship and got my first runs of the summer, you'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> Ended with 36 not out. Wow. In a losing cause, though, <laughs> which was slightly disappointing. Was it 36 not out of 85 balls? <laughs> no, it was a, probably about a runner ball. But my main 36 not out? Is that your PB? No, of course not. No. No, what's your PB? 38, I think about 39. 40, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But it was an uh, innings that had everything. It was calm. Dill uh, scoop? Not, didn't have that, so it didn't have quite everything. Reverse dill scoop? No. Uh, but it was a bit, it was slightly annoying because, yeah, got a nice little partnership going with another of our, of our teammates and uh, we were in a bit of trouble at one stage and we, we, we batted about eight overs, just keeping a great run rate. It left ourselves needing 16 from the last two. But the penultimate over, we didn't get away and uh, we, we ended up only scoring three off it. So we did 13 off the last over and I was stranded at the non-striker's end. Uh-huh. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. And down the other end, we lost three wickets uh, in three balls. Uh, and then I managed to get down on the third of those wickets, uh, but couldn't get it away for one. Just didn't quite make a connection, so. That was a real shame. But you know, I came off to a hero's welcome. <laughs> I was like, oh, the bitch. High fives around, kind of. They carried you off on their shoulders. <laughs> 36 not out is not bad. You're, you're answering your critics. Your critics largely being me. It's good. It's a good feeling. Because you have been developing a reputation. You were saying to me that in, in the first of the two games that you've played since last week, that uh, you didn't even bat, but the, the other team were just sledging you the entire time when you were in the field and stuff. The whole team had picked me out and isolated. I think they'd, they'd seen that, you know, they'd heard the rumours. Well, I sent a group email around <laughs> That's very before. kind of you. <laughs> yeah, so. My PL. You might find this hard to believe, Tone, but the IPL has come to an end. New champions were crowned in Chennai uh, when the Kolkata Knight Riders defeated uh, the home side and defending champions, Chennai Super Kings, by five wickets. It was a thrilling run chase after Chennai posted an imposing 190 for three with, uh, with Suresh Reiner making 73 and Mike Hussey 54. But KKR chased it down. Manvinder Bisler with a blistering 89 from 48 balls supported by Jacques Callis, 69 from 49 balls. Things got very tense at the end when they were losing wickets. They lost their fifth wicket with only 175 on the board and only seven balls remaining. But Shakib Al-Hassan and, uh, and Manoj Tuari got them home in the last over and KKR are the champions. Sharuk Khan, the owner of the franchise, jumped up in the stand and was sort of dancing around on, on the TV cameras. Uh, and after the game, Brett Lee was quoted as saying uh, they asked him why he was so sweaty, uh, given that he, he'd not batted uh, and he was absolutely dripping with sweat. 
and he said that he'd had to he'd had to carry Shahrukh Khan around uh, in the in the dressing room during the celebrations. A rare example, perhaps, of a of a good major tournament final. This it was a it was a cracking game. Yeah, high scoring and close, which is the two things you want in a twenty twenty match. Absolutely. I think the Knight Riders, possibly the most widely supported franchise, finally delivering after four seasons of underachievement. Worthy winners for you, Tane, of the IPL. I mean, Delhi led throughout the tournament. Delhi were my picks, group stage. Uh, and I thought, I thought, even up to uh, only a couple of weeks to go, I thought Delhi would still do it. But uh, you know that the kind of postseason lasts for so little time that really anyone could have won it, couldn't they? It's blinking, you miss it, isn't it? Yes. I mean, Chennai were incredibly lucky to get into that playoff because uh, when they lost their last game of the group stage, any one of Royal Challengers, Bangalore, Kings Eleven, Punjab and Rajasthan Royals just had to win their remaining game and Chennai would have been out, but all three lost. Chennai went in to the playoffs, beat Mumbai Indians, then beat Delhi Daredevils and found themselves in the final. And it really looked like they were going to pull off a third consecutive title. But the Knight Riders, who were probably the best team over the, the latter half of the competition overall, did come through. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, probably deserved to do it. Uh, a couple of things just, I think, to note. One, uh, final standings in the points table, to a certain extent, showed that uh, it wasn't quite 50-50 and it was, it was a bit more spread, I think, than last year. Anecdotally, I haven't actually gone back and looked at the table from last year. It would probably be exactly the same. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the spread was 22 to 8 points. So you mean that there, there, there of, were some teams that were, you know, 14 points. much better than others rather than it all being a, a bit of a mix as it has been in yeah. the past. Uh, much of a much so, I mean, that, in a way, that's good to see, although that would only be good to see if uh, there was any sort of realistic chance of, for example, my Rajasthan rules ever getting good again. Uh, which is probably an outside bet now. Same case for the for the Punjab. Well, the the Punjab, as they're known, uh, you know, <laughs> actually probably exceeded my expectations this season. I was pretty chuffed that they managed to win any matches at all. They did have to overcome the not inconsiderable obstacle of having essentially no good players. <laughs> You know, when Azar Mahmood is your best player, you know, you know you've got problems. Uh, but they did all right in the end, but they did squander a great opportunity to get into the playoffs. So that so was they ever made it to the playoffs? They haven't, no. And uh, I don't, oh, maybe they have. I think maybe they did in the second season or something. Not since I've been supporting them for yeah. the third season on. They've not really been anywhere close, but this season they could have done. Well, I mean, our, our two teams, the, the, the Royals on the Punjab, in terms of, kind of brand value, well, it's according to Wikipedia, uh, the the bottom place too, more or less half the brand value of a of a Chennai or a Mumbai. It's a real uh, David versus Goliath, isn't it? <laughs> Goliath comprehensively <laughs> won. <laughs> Flattening David, time after time after time. That's what you want to see. <laughs> Um, I think overall the whole tournament was maybe a, a better spectacle than last year. Last year felt very flat. I think it was because it was just after the World Cup that no one was really that up for it. I think people were much more up for it this year, both the players and the spectators. Were you up for it? Slightly up for it, yeah. <laughs> the actual cricket, the quality of the cricket is still a long way from being of the highest standard, but there were plenty of, of fantastic moments during the tournament. Chris Gale with countless extraordinary oh, innings. I think Chris Gale has got to be for me the best 2020 player in the history of the of the, of the format in the seven year history of, <laughs> of 2020 and you imagine you know similar you know, maybe in what, you know, in 15 years time like you know like uh, the Premier League will be doing now looking back at the 20 years of the Premier League when they're looking back at the 20 years of the IPL you'd think Chris Gale would have to be in your I think already has cemented a place in in a 20 year team but, I mean he scored a lot of runs and he played you know he outscored the second top scorer by uh, 150 runs and played two less matches than than Guten Gambier <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why 
That's a really peculiar running joke. <laughs> I just can't never get his first name. <laughs> it's not really so much a running joke as just you being an idiot yeah, consistently. Same. In that sense, then, Gale, he's what like the he's but, like the Ryan Giggs of uh, of, of IPL cricket. He's, he's like the Georgie Kincladzi of IPL. <laughs> Definitely in your twenty year team. Uh, no, he was sensational. It's like, Possibly. It's like the Neil Ardley of uh, of, of twenty year IPL. He played a remarkable shot uh, yeah, a few weeks ago in <laughs> one of the matches I saw. <laughs> one of the numerous IPL matches. Uh, yeah, yeah, smashing a sort of a wide, kind of very full, almost Yorker length ball for six. Uh, so he was amazing. Sun on the Rhine was absolutely brilliant throughout the tournament, apart from in the final where he got uh, clouted a bit. But uh, he was fantastic. And the most memorable performance for me was uh, Dale Steyn against the Royal Challengers Bangalore in their last group game. Uh, took four wickets, I think, for basically no runs and was just absolutely sensational frightening from an English perspective with Stain about to come here overall what was your you know your overarching coke moment of happiness would you say <laughs> is there a coke moment of <laughs> yeah. happiness is there really? I, I just discovered this uh, or you know city moment of success whichever one I think the city moment of success would have to go for that Stain spell uh, but the coke moment of happiness <laughs> I think the coke moment of happiness might be a fan thing I guess probably as are my mood uh, <laughs> running through uh, I think it was uh, Mumbai Indians. That was pretty sensational. I was off my seat then. What's uh, what's your verdict on IPL 2012 then, Tane? What do you think about this tournament after after five editions? Uh, cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah, I think that's what they want. That's what. Yeah, that's, exactly. I've that's... bought into it. I'm very, <laughs> I'm a sucker. Very, I mean, we've said it before, but it's so difficult. There's so many games every it's day. It's just way too long, isn't it? It's way too long. The 78 matches, or whatever it was, that all comes down to money, doesn't it? It's all about yeah. the greed. I mean, hey, get this. Not so much IPL as by PL am I right that's good I think next year I might you uh, moved on very quickly from that I think next year I might approach it with a different strategy. You know, I think next time I'll try and just pick out all the Rajasthan matches, mark them in a uh, mark them on a calendar, and just try and watch those. Ignore every other match that's happening and just watch those. <laughs> that will give you a nice balanced perspective. On yeah, yeah, I'll be well, I'll be well equipped to talk about Rajasthan if nothing else. It was a pretty good tournament from a cricketing point of view in terms of excitement. There were a lot of close finishes, but for me, it still just struggles because of all the nonsense that surrounds it. You know, the sponsorship, as we say, the city moment of success, the Coke moment of happiness. Uh, the cheerleaders the utterly useless <laughs> commentators uh, and just the, the, the gaudiness of the whole thing you know, that hasn't changed has it crowds were up in the stadium but but TV ratings were down even on last year when TV ratings were massively down so yeah it will be very interesting to see where it goes from here yeah, looking ahead to next season just that key date for you to, to keep on April the 3rd 2013 can you wait I, I don't think it can come soon enough I just wish I could go to sleep now and not wake up until April the 3rd <laughs> 2013 we went back to that kiosk the other day the kiosk we talked about a while ago on Guernsey's west coast we discussed a few weeks ago how they used to do a magnificent veggie burger there but then that they changed hands they changed management and I went and ordered a veggie burger and they presented me with a, a roll with some lettuce leaves in it with salad vegetables in it yeah but we went back there the other day. The veggie burger is back. They obviously heard the podcast and thought, right, we've got to get that veggie burger back. Well, it's the first successful World Creek Show campaign, isn't it? We're kind of like we're like a national newspaper now. They must hate us there, not just because they've listened to the podcast and heard us slagging them off, but also because, like the other day, we were we were there. We got to the counter to order our food. There was an absolutely enormous queue behind us, and we were just like discussing what we were going to do that weekend and stuff. Like the girl behind the counter is like, um. Can I take your order? And we're like, hold on, love. <laughs> yeah. Hold your horses, darling. I almost uh, resorted to violence against children 
the other day. Okay. Yeah. Is this something we should be talking about? The last three times I've been there. They've run out of chocolate cake. Very good chocolate cake they do as well. A couple of up, no, no good kids, kind of Dickensian little like wisecrack kids in front of me in the queue. Two slices of chocolate cake left. Two kids in the queue. Both order chocolate cake. I was, I literally went mental. <laughs> <laughs> I was furious. And I said, when I went, I was like, oh, well, slice of chocolate cake, please. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, is that? Uh, oh, I think that was the last. I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> no, no, there was fortunate. It was a, a second cake. Oh, there was a there was a backup cake. There was a backup cake, which I was able to uh, have a slice from. So, oh, really? So, all's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. Yeah. <laughs> the side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. I have got an article here, Tony, from the Herald Sun, the Australian newspaper, the Herald Sun, and I think you're going to be very interested in this. Cricket and soccer international Elise Perry told to pick a sport. I really wish he hadn't made that noise. Just I know, then. that was filth. <laughs> uh, well, my immediate reaction, I didn't even read the article. My immediate reaction is, why? Why make her? <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you. So for, for people who may be not aware, Elise Perry is an Australian woman. He represents Australia in both cricket and football. Uh, and Tony once uh, brought a side note that was just, I found out about her. I think it was a valid sign. And she's attractive was the subtext of what you were saying there. Jewel International Elise Perry has been handed an ultimatum by her W League club Canberra United. Quit cricket or find another club. Perry, a women's Ashes winning pace bowler and Matilda's World Cup defender, has successfully split her time between cricket and football since first being selected at age 16 to represent her country in both sports. She played her first cricket international in July 2007 before earning her debut football cap a month later. But Canberra United Chief Executive Heather Reid says the W League club need the 21-year-old to commit fully to them or move on. We've basically given Elise an ultimatum. Reed told ABC Grandstand on Tuesday. Elise needs to choose whether she wants to be a full-time Canberra United player and commit to training every day like everyone else does, or if she still wants to try and mix her cricket commitment with football, then perhaps she will need to find another club. Well, you know, as someone who uh, is also attempting to split my time between successful football and cricket uh, pursuits. Uh, you know, I understand the uh, understand the, the dilemma, but, you know, if you're very talented in, in the, you know, all those disciplines, then maybe it's very hard to choose. I'm finding it hard to choose. Uh, you know. So in the end, you just go for a nap. <laughs> Hope it's all better when you wake up. Choose neither. At the bottom of this page on the, on the Herald Sun uh, article is an advert for a dating website. I think they know exactly the sort of person that's going to be scouring the internet for Elise Perry's story. scumbag, yeah, who's going to be looking... Not me, I hasten to add. I, I came across this because, you know, I'm, I'm an investigative journalist, that's what I yeah, do. Your Google alert on Elise <laughs> Perry didn't, didn't, didn't bring you to that. Why do you think I'm wearing this hat, this, this hat that says press on it? Uh, <laughs> got another side note here from, uh, from Crick Info. Sober's ball, not what it seems, question mark. A cricket ball that was meant to have been hit for one of Gary Sobers' six sixes in an over at Swansea in 1968 has been removed from an auction over claims it is not genuine. Journalist and author Graham Lloyd gave evidence to the auctioneers, Bonhams, which raised doubts over the legitimacy of the ball in question. When it was previously sold at Christie's in 2006, it fetched £26,400, almost as expensive as one of our t-shirts, Tone. It was sold by Josie Miller, who was the Nottinghamshire Supporters Association secretary for 12 years, and she has no doubts over the bull's claims. Quote, it was the genuine bull. End of story, she told the Nottingham Post. <laughs> Fantastic evidence. She uh, told the Nottingham Post. Thorough. And Gary Sobers himself signed a letter to that effect, 
I've seen at one point. He looks at it, he's like, yeah, that was the ball. That was the one. That, I remember that unique pattern of you know, discoloration and scuffing, uh, like it was yesterday, you know, not 40-odd years ago, 50 years ago. He saw the ball and agreed it was a genuine thing. Gary had no problem with me having the ball. These accusations are a mark against my character. <laughs> However, one person who also has doubts uh, whether the ball is genuine is none other than the bowler involved, Malcolm Nash, saying that the brand the one up for auction is a duke, is wrong. Quote, we used Stuart Surridge balls and we used them in that game. The answer is simple. End of story. <laughs> this is the ball. End of story. That's like something I would say. Right, right, that is it. I like that. Yeah, they came to it. They're like, yeah, we've, got, we've amassed all this evidence that says it's not the ball. Body of evidence. This is the ball. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Let's check that out. Fair enough. I, d- I mean, I, d- I wonder how you really legitimately can prove that any piece of sporting memorabilia is legitimate and authentic. I mean, probably the most prized item of cricket memorabilia that I own is one of Graham Thorpe's pads. And it's not even a pad, it's just a pad that he had. It wasn't even his pad, it's probably from like a kit bag or something uh, that he'd worn in like a county exhibition match in Guernsey in the 90s. But if now, if I was like, oh, his Graham Thorpe's pad, you'd be like, well... That isn't. <laughs> it's <cheap. laughs> it is. End of story. I think that was the same game that uh, London correspondent Gordon McRae was frantically trying to chase Ian Ward, like attempting to harass him because he uh, he claimed he, he wanted to tell Ward that he'd he'd cost him like a ten or something in some <laughs> bet. I think McRae was like bet me or you ten pounds that Ward would make a, at least a fifty in a test series against Australia, which he singularly failed to do. And McRae was furious with Ward for that, <laughs> so he was just trying to hunt him down. Uh, and one final side note, which is not exactly a side note, but it's it's not an article, uh, but it was something that was drawn to our attention this week by one of our listeners. Setal posted a link on Facebook to the actor Jason Alexander's recent appearance on uh, on Craig Ferguson's Late Late Show in the US. Jason Alexander, of course, famous for playing George on Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, and it's quite a long interview, but about uh, halfway through it, he suddenly launches into a, a lengthy evisceration of, uh, of cricket. He gets up and does a rather unflattering and it must be said completely inaccurate impression of someone bowling or pitching as he describes it what do you make of that have you got anything to say to jason alexander who i know will be listening <laughs> well listen jason just naff off mate naff off i find the whole the whole exchange to be very awkward i do find those late night american chat shows mostly unentertaining letterman is almost as bad you know you wonder why we haven't been asked if that's if they've gone to letterman and uh <laughs> gone to letterman <laughs> yeah I know, he, he just comes across like a bit of an idiot doesn't he I mean, he he's, try, he's trying to be funny, but it doesn't really, didn't really make me laugh. No, <laughs> he doesn't come across very well in that interview. Craig Ferguson, I think, is actually of those late night. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched much. I think he's actually pretty good, but it's it's a strange one because he's Scottish. It's a, it's a peculiar thing that there's this Scottish guy hosting a late night show in the US. I think Jason yeah. Alexander at one point, Craig Ferguson does a reasonably good impression of like a, a New York gangster accent and jason alexander says always amazes me when uh, when someone with an accent can do accents and he appears to be being serious as though he's not aware that he also has an accent <laughs> it's a really weird it thing. did make me laugh watching that because it didn't take them long did it to to go to the uh, reach for the accent as the vehicle of comedy the comedy vehicle <laughs> which uh, we Richard, never do i know we never do i just thought why don't we yeah i should suggest that to adam <laughs> he's he's decent accents ish uh, <laughs> i've told you this story but uh the other day my mobile phone was ringing and uh i've just missed it and saw that i had a missed call from you and at that moment the landline started ringing and i was like oh obviously this is tony <laughs> picked it up from the other end came this 
you're right there, it's Peter. <laughs> and so I thought, it's Tony putting on a hilarious accent. Hilarious <laughs> accent. And pretending to be someone called Peter for some reason. So I went, oh, you're right there. <laughs> and he went, yeah, uh, it's Peter. Uh, <laughs> and I, at that point, I realised that it wasn't Tony. And I did that classic thing of going, hello. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretend that the first bit hasn't happened. <laughs> so uh, that was pretty awkward. What did he want? Trying to sell me stuff, I think. Was he trying to sell you a World Cricket Show t-shirt? Because you should have said, mate, that's my job. No, he wasn't. No, that's a bad, bad link. <laughs> and that, my friends, is about it. For the World Cricket Show this week. You got anything big planned for the Jubilee weekend, Tony? We've got a two-day public holiday in England, haven't we, to celebrate... I'm working both days. ...the Queen's so, oh, 60th yeah. year on the throne. You, are you planning to go over to London, perhaps, to uh, disrupt the proceedings? Get in amongst <laughs> yeah. it? You're going to break into the palace with a sponge and a rusty spanner? It's a Smith's <laughs> reference for you there. Yeah. One for our miserable listeners. <laughs> uh, no, probably none of the above. Oh, I could get into the Jubilee. I could get into it, so... I'll probably watch the uh, yeah, watch the the procession or whatever it is, the boat thing, the flotilla. So the, that's the only word I keep hearing, flotilla. <laughs> it's bandied around a lot, isn't it? Uh, so that'd be good. Uh, I am yeah, actually going, going to London. Yeah. Are you gonna what, are you gonna go down to the, the river? I pro- well, I don't know. Thing is, right, I picked a ridiculous weekend to go to London because it's nothing to do with the jubilee that I'm <laughs> going, and it's going to be so busy, and it's also so hot at the moment. Yeah. The tube is going to be a nightmare. What do people who don't live near the coast do when it's hot? What's the point? <laughs> if you can't go to the beach, what is the point in it being hot? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to London. I'm going to be meeting up with London correspondent Gordon McRae. We're going to be hitting the tiles. Wild times. Slash going to Bodine's and then traipsing back to his house to play FIFA. <laughs> it's probably what we're going to be doing. Oh, Bodine's. Going to get a pulled pork sandwich of Bodine's. So, well, lots to look forward to for Jealous next week. That. But yes, if you like the show, why not? take advantage of that by going online and getting a bit more involved in it you can leave us a review on itunes uh, which we do really encourage you to do uh, and thanks to everyone who has done that if you've heard of a website called facebook uh, you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show click the like button and suggest it to your friends if you haven't heard of facebook but you have heard of twitter uh, then you can find us on twitter at twitter.com slash cricket show send us an email worldcricketshow at gmail.com if you'd like some free world cricket show stickers uh, then just get in touch wherever you are in the world um, your neighborhood could always do with some more world cricket show stickers i reckon and yeah visit our website our online website cricketshow.net as we mentioned at the top of the show the big news of the week is that the t-shirts are here and they're going to be available to buy imminently. The t-shirts have arrived in a big way. Uh, they are very wearable. They won't wear themselves, so we're going to need some of you to go out there and uh, to try them on. So yeah, if you go to cricketshow.net, you'll be able to buy them through there, through PayPal. If you like what we're doing here, and, and you want to support the show, uh, and more importantly, you want to look like the coolest cat on the playground, uh, then do buy a shirt. I'd like to stress this point, because I am aware... Uh, that our progress on the t-shirt front could reasonably be described as <laughs> shambolic. We are not going to muck around with your money. It's taken us a long time to get to this point, but now we've got the t-shirts, we actually do know what we're doing. And uh, if you buy a t-shirt, <laughs> you will receive one. You will receive one. Uh, no, we're, we're, we are taking this very seriously now. Um, <laughs> so... It's just now, it's, it's gone. It's now moved from fun into business, really. So uh, there'll be a lot of changes, I think, on the show. Uh, namely... 
the two of us will be leaving. <laughs> Letterman is coming in. Letterman is coming in. Matt Baker will be coming in. Uh, well, I mean, just think back to that. Uh, for those of you who've received the stickers, if you've received the stickers, just think back to that moment where you, they, they came through the door and you opened them and saw that the stickers had arrived. Uh, and that's very similar to what you'll feel when the T-shirt comes. It'll be even better than but that. It, I mean, it'll be immeasurably better. Your, your leap of joy will be even higher than that one was. Well, there, there might even be stickers in with the T-shirt. I don't know. If you're early, we might throw some badges in, so, you know, we might take the risk. Yeah, if you if you order them swiftly, uh, you might get some free tat as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Great stuff. But yeah, that's about it. I think have a fantastic week, everybody. Enjoy the Jubilee if you're in Britain. If you're not in Britain, get back to work, I guess. Until next time, then, that's it from us here. Bye bye for now. Are you recording? Yeah, whenever you're ready. Right. And then you've just moved the microphone to oh, a new position <laughs> from where we tested the levels. Sun beats cloud, as we know, in the kind of weather paper rock scissors often. <laughs> well, what beats sun? Kind of wet beats sun. No, it doesn't. Well, sun, no, sun kind of beats foggy cloud, doesn't right. it? Right. Sun and burns fo- through foggy yeah. cloud. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, oh, which sounds quite funny. <laughs> Get a better sneeze. Thanks. Do you want to talk about the cricket? Uh, well, England. I mean, <laughs> should we talk about the cricket at some point today? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.